Thank you for joining today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast. And thank you for having a desire to be your best at work and helping your organization achieve success. This podcast focuses on tactical actions to improve workplace culture. And these actions align to our nine principles for organizational excellence. It's my pleasure to bring a a guest on our show today, Sabrina Hebeler, the Chief of Staff with Michigan State University Infrastructure Planning and Facilities. I've had the pleasure of partnering with Sabrina and Dan Bowman, the Vice President for the division, for several years to build a systems improvement process. One of the key tenets of Sabrina's role as Chief of Staff is to help everyone understand and follow the strategic direction of IPF. This comes from her passion of helping people feel successful, feel valued, and to love their job. So Sabrina, welcome to the show today. Thank you. I'm looking forward to to sharing this episode with you. I've had an opportunity to work with you over the past several years, and uh, we've become good professional workers together, Mm -hmm. and you've become a professional friend and really personal friend to me. So just so glad Mm -hmm. to have you with us. Glad to be here. Thank you. So let's start, Sabrina, with, you know, tell, tell us about Um, MSU IPF, Infrastructure Planning and Facilities Division, the purpose, the vision, you know, the mission and the goals. So tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so MSU Infrastructure Planning and Facilities is the facilities division for uh, Michigan State University. We are responsible for planning, building, maintaining, beautifying, and energizing the physical environment on Michigan State's campus. So anytime anyone steps foot onto our campus, um, they're really directly impacted by the work that we do. Uh, We do believe that student success is our success, so we build the environment in which they do their best learning, we do our best research, and and achieve any of the goals that Michigan State really wants to. So at Michigan State, um, within IPF, we really value um, our people, our partners, and, and being good stewards. So helping our employees be the best possible versions of themselves that they can be, helping our partners achieve success as they define it, and uh, really stewarding our people, time, and our money uh, to the best of our ability so that Michigan State University can live on for the next 150 years. Yeah, that's great. You know, it's um, uh, for all of you Uh, listeners out there, you have to know, uh, I've lived in the South most of my life, and I have the great pleasure of going to Lansing, Michigan, about five or six times a year. Uh, The majority of that time, I think I'm in snow and cold. Mm -hmm. And so I've had great respect for the work that that you all do with beautifying your campus, mm-hmm. um, you know, and the hard work that that takes through those winter months. It's just something that people take for granted, you know, but that you all do brilliantly. But, you know, Sabrina, the other thing that I really recognized on your campus um, is the sustainability efforts, you know, the recycling mm-hmm. efforts um, that you all do. And I remember one of my first visits, I got to visit the recycle plant. Mm-hmm. Um, so just know that you all are do. I know you all are doing some phenomenal work that are best practices across the country. So uh, don't take it, don't take it lightly. It's a lot mm-hmm. of hard work, right, Serena, yep. that goes behind that. Yeah, we often say that uh, we know we're doing a good job when no one says anything. <laughs> uh, so if there are no complaints or the power is still on, uh, the water's still running, we're doing our jobs. And so yeah. sometimes that uh, 
that can be difficult for our employees to understand, but they definitely work very hard to keep Michigan State running each and every day. Yeah, and people don't people don't necessarily call you on a day and say, hey, thank you for the electricity being on <laughs> right, today, right? Right. That's just not natural. <laughs> Thanks for allowing me to see. Right, <laughs> right yeah, no. that's right. <laughs> we don't get those phone calls. <laughs> so, so tell us about yourself, your background, you know, your work at MSU, IPF, and, and how you became chief of staff. Yeah, so I am from Michigan, born and raised. I'm a native of, of the Lansing area, really. Uh, my undergraduate degree uh, is from Central Michigan University, which is just a, a bit further north than Michigan State. And my master's in business is from Northwood University. Um, so I started and have spent a large portion of my career in learning and leadership development. And I did that in the healthcare and the finance industries. I found that a lot of my time working in that career was spent treating what I will call the symptoms um, of root problems. And when mm -hmm. I was studying for my master's degree, I found my first love of strategic planning uh, in, in my coursework. And I knew that if I could find a career working in strategy and helping leaders to be successful from a planning standpoint, that I would be able to affect change more directly and, and also see more meaningful um, results related to that. And it just so happened that at the time that I was graduating with my master's degree, I, you know, of course, had the feelers out there trying to figure out what was next for me and came across a position posting at IPF uh, with a new department called Strategic Initiatives. Uh, I was the first employee. <laughs> um, and I, it was a project manager type role. And so I really got to and fell in love with helping IPF make meaningful change. So starting off with employee engagement, I like to say that I got to see the strategy cycle take its first steps um, in the organization. And that really led um, the efforts that we've taken uh, to make meaningful change. So about a year and a half ago, um, almost two years ago, uh, Dan Bowman, our vice president, decided that a chief of staff role made a lot of sense for the organization, given all that we were doing and, and trying to do. He wanted someone who could really help drive that for the organization and, and keep that aligned and focused. And so he posted for the position, and I have now served in that role for about a year and a half. And I it's feel honored each and every day uh, that I have been selected for this because it's really been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of hard, hard work, but it's been a lot of fun. It has, and I've had the pleasure of working with you since you started, for the most <laughs> mm -hmm. part, at yeah. MSU and have watched you grow and become just a phenomenal leader And mm -hmm. as you move into that chief of staff role. So... Uh, it's a great story that you have and a bright future ahead, continued bright future. So let's focus on how the executive leadership team becomes essential to building a good organization. You know, you're working as chief of staff, you're working directly with Dan, the VP, and the executive team. So, you know, what, what's the essential aspects of an, an executive team that really helps build a great organization? Yeah, so for some context, we have a leadership team of eight people, and each of those eight people is responsible for a direct set of business, whether it's power and water, building services, um, or supporting services. Each has a direct set of staff. Um, and so one of the things that I think is essential with an executive leadership team is helping them understand what it means to be a team of leaders and not just representatives of their respective units. Um, so finding um, a way to help them understand, own, share, and drive the direction for the entire organization as IPF first 
rather than business unit first is incredibly, incredibly important. It hasn't been an easy task for us. Um, and so from that perspective, that's where some of the other more tactical things have really come into play to help us get there. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, thinking back as you answer that question, you know, I just think about some of those times when we were really trying to have conversations about moving out of your silo thinking of operationally how you run your unit to as an executive team, we're a team really helping the institution, MSU, Mm -hmm. do the things that it needs to do to be successful. And in order to do that, we have to, as a team, make sure that we know what to do. And as you said, that that's not an easy task for teams to do when they're accustomed to living in their silos. Yeah, and our first wake-up call was employee engagement. Yes. Uh, so when we rolled out our our employee engagement results, uh, the first two years, both uh, years, the top or the 10 lowest item means were related to a lack of trust or understanding in our direction and how our executive leaders were going to achieve that direction. And I think, you know, it pointed out that the gap we were trying to bridge was much larger than we thought. And it was going to take good leadership in order to drive that. We couldn't do that without good leaders. Yeah. And I can tell you all, just from my experience there, uh, they've done uh, monumental work heavy lifting in order to get where they are today and it's a it's a different place than it was three or four years ago so uh, just nice work there so let's talk specifically then you know we've talked a little bit about some core actions you know let's talk about another one you know is there a core action for the executive leadership to for them to do the team to do to to achieve excellence what else sabrina Yeah, so from the employee engagement survey, one of the formal tactics that really uh, uh, put leaders out there to listen to feedback firsthand and and tackle challenges was the idea of leader rounding. And I think it's something that everyone knows about, right? You understand the concept, but you don't realize the impact that it has until you're actually practicing it. And to have our executive leadership team spend anywhere from three to five hours per week going across the organization outside of their business unit, right, to kind of build that cohesiveness and alignment and listening to challenges, getting to know people, building trust and transparency and bringing that information back on a weekly basis to share it with their team members um, was something that began to build traction, um, not only in building trust with the organization uh, through follow-up on concerns, but also building relationships amongst team members. Um, Because I think something that we forget And something that I have to remind myself is that leaders are people too. We're humans and we need connection as well um, in order to feel engaged in what we're responsible for. And so that simple action of bringing that back and talking about, wow, I met one of your staff members and this is what they told me that they've been experiencing. Being able to either solve that problem or just celebrate that win um, really started to build our momentum and uh, continue continue that flywheel of improvement for us. Nice, nice work. And what difference did that make? You know, when you think over the organization, you know, just that one tactic and probably a couple others, but you know, what's the difference it's made? in the organization? Well, the first thing is is that people know who the executive leadership team is. (laughs) So we were actually surprised that not a lot of people understood who they were and what they were responsible for. So the first thing was really identifying them as a resource and them as leaders in the organization. Um, But it's also better um, aligned a lot of the efforts and help them figure out 
what role they play in and connect to, to what the challenges and issues that they were talking about. So the other really great thing about the leader rounding practice is that it gives you an opportunity to celebrate wins. So the three questions that we utilize are what's working well, what are your challenges, and then is there someone that you would like to recognize? And that recognition piece has begun this slow but steady increase of elevating best practices in the organization. So no longer are we just paying attention to the one squeaky wheel, right, and, and basing all of our solutions around a squeaky wheel, but instead we're elevating best practices and being able to, um, you know, copy-paste sometimes or share that across the organization and, and share that recognition for an individual or a team, um, which really makes and helps people feel more engaged in their job every day. So important, you know, so important there that um, what we tend to do, you know, when we look at the survey data, is we look at those one or two <laughs> items that really just are not positive. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that's right, Sabrina. You know, mm -hmm. we, we're learning to look at those, but also to look at the broader input and really to begin to build best practices around the people who are coming with us in the organization and mm -hmm. moving forward. So, and that's, that takes a lot of discipline mm -hmm. and maturity in that team. Mm -hmm. You know, let's end with one, this question. We're really focused on improvement, right? Everything that we're doing is about how we continuously improve our practices. And I know you all are really working toward improvement and performance excellence in your organization. What's the most important advice you would give our listeners as you're thinking about the combination of how do we improve and build performance excellence in our organizations? One of the things that's impacted me the most in this journey and one of the things that I remind myself every single day is the power of choice and that we have a choice every single day to make um, to show up as the best possible leader and role model for others in our organization. I think when you're going through organizational change and you're in a leadership position, it's so easy to fall in the trap of thinking that you have to have the answer today, that you have to react immediately, that you have to know. And a lot of people sometimes think that too, right? Well, you're a leader, you should know the answer. But there's a lot of power in choice, there's a lot of power in pause, and there's a lot of power in being intentional. And so if we can slow down and recognize that we're making a choice with every single thing that we do, from the moment we show up and, and being solution focused with a positive mindset, knowing that we're doing the best that we can, to those little moments where when someone asks a question and I don't know, that I, I can pause and I can be intentional with my thoughts and my reactions and those next steps. So I think that power of pause and making a choice can really, really be impactful and to help leaders feel that they have the power to do that and recognize that is really important. Yeah, nice advice. And I look back over, again, the time that I've spent with you all and what we've learned, and I've learned it with you, is that sometimes the work of building teams is really, really difficult. And we could continue to plow through those difficulties without reflection or pausing or slowing down. But if we do that, we're probably not going to end up on the other side in a great place. Mm -hmm. And so you all have done phenomenal work with putting the gas down, you know, putting the foot on the pedal and moving when you needed mm -hmm. to, but also doing what you just recommended, pausing, reflecting, mm -hmm. really looking at ourselves, looking at the data and really begin to build that improvement in our organization because first and foremost, you care about your people. Mm -hmm. And 
Uh, you are a phenomenal leader. I've enjoyed the time that I've spent with you over the last several years and look forward to our continued work together. So as you all start this week, reflect on one thing you learned from Sabrina today. And not only reflect on it, but turn that one thing into action. Thank you for tuning in to Accelerate Your Performance. I look forward to connecting with you next week as we continue to focus on the nine principles for organizational excellence so that we can be our best at work. Have a great week.